would say spiritual awakenings, they are meant to help you to become who you're supposed to become. It's almost like shedding old skin. You have to outgrow it. You just have to, you've got no choice. You're going forward or you're staying still. And when you're stagnant, I really believe that kind of elicits the depression. It's like you are resisting who you're supposed to be or you're not letting go of something in the past. It could be who you were, a strong sense of self, your identity, or it could be something that you're attached to, even a trauma that you're attached to and you're not unraveling it, understanding it and letting it go. You know, you're not letting yourself kind of breathe and just go through life. I, I always say like the best philosophy to go through with, which is very similar to what, you know, Islam teaches us is to stride the path of the least resistance. It just means that the world is constantly moving and free flowing. And if you're not free flowing with it, you're going to get stuck and tangled in there. And, and being tangled is painful, especially when you're going against the current. You have to let go and go with the movement of, of what's happening in your life. What exactly is a spiritual awakening and why is it so painful? You are listening to Unsween and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 23 of season 3. Have you ever found yourself wanting to take a break and crawl into a hole all by yourself, but not knowing the reason why? Could it be that almost everything feels forced lately? Forced interactions, forced relationships, and even forced conversations? I tend to believe that our mental breakdowns are truly spiritual breakthroughs, at least for me personally. Someone once told me that if you're not speaking it, you're storing it, and that can get pretty heavy. In today's episode, I sit down with Hanan Abdelkhalik, a dear friend of mine who has become a sister to me in these two short years. Thousands of miles away, yet we are always on the same wavelength. Her presence in my life is something I will always eternally be grateful for. We hopped on a call the other day and vented to one another about how we've been feeling. SubhanAllah, we both exhibited the same painful experiences, the same depression-like dips, the desire for solitude, and feeling like we are being consumed by things that are actively distancing us away from our Creator. And we came to the conclusion that we were each going through a spiritual awakening. Self-awareness plays a major role in the process of spiritual awakenings. It gives us the ability to go inward and trust our intuition on this journey of courage, consciousness, and purposeful living. Hanan discusses what triggered her to embark on this journey and how social media at times can be used as an escape route from our true purpose in life, and how sometimes we can feel like it's a tool being used to peer into the lives of our family and friends, and even strangers. We converse about the internal struggles we have faced, and how one can never truly be ready for the lessons written for us. But these hardships are required in order for us to grow into a new version of ourselves. It may be a terrifying feeling for you to finally give yourself permission to be yourself, but in this conversation you'll see that you are not alone on this journey. And as painful as spiritual awakenings can be, they are such a gift to experience in this dunya. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining me once again, Hanan. You know, we had you on before in a prior season and we were talking about just relationships. But now let's talk about the relationship with ourselves and more specifically, let's talk about spiritual awakening. But I would love for you to reintroduce yourself first and then we can get right into it, inshallah. 
Hello everyone, I'm back. My name is Hanan. I am a designer and I work in digital marketing. So I do a lot of like design gigs, like freelance gigs. And I also have my own accessories brand, sustainable accessories brand. That's what I do. It's incredible. And I absolutely love your brand. Mashallah, you have the greatest pieces and it's so empowering to always see women have their own business going on and, and being entrepreneurial. And it's, it's beautiful to witness that. And, you know, in the process, I think of us finding our purpose, we kind of go through like, like the ebb and flow of not knowing if we're in the right place, right time, or if we are on the right path of finding our purpose. And recently you were just sharing in your stories and your snaps about how you feel like you're going through a spiritual awakening and everything that you were sharing. I was like, oh my God, Hannah, that's exactly like what I'm going through. Can we talk about spiritual awakening and what is it exactly, at least in your own terms? First of all, I just want to say that me and Dunya are so like aligned. We're yes. from different parts of the world, but we're always feeling the same things at the same time. Always. <laughs> Obviously, there's so many ways to define a spiritual awakening. And the only thing that I can really say about myself and how it feels is like when you crack an egg and once the egg is cracked, you cannot, there is no way, like when you, when you break glass, you can somehow glue it all together with an egg. The pieces are so tiny and intricate. There is no way. And also the yolk is just, it just goes everywhere, right? That's how it kind of feels. It's like messy. A spiritual awakening to me just feels like someone cracked my head open and everything spilled out in a really messy manner. And I can't put it back together how it once was. So that can mean it's painful. That can mean it looks messy. That can mean it feels messy, uncomfortable. Essentially for me, it felt like a world shift. It just feels like your your view of the world has changed forever and you can't go back to who you were before. And it can be quite isolating and it can be quite uncomfortable and painful. I think, especially in the online space, spiritual awakenings are quite romanticized. Like, oh, I'm so enlightened now, but it's not like that. It's painful, it's uncomfortable. You don't know what you're doing, who you are, where you stand. And I think the only way a human being can grow is when they are so uncomfortable or stagnant that they have no choice but to, they're, they're forced to level up. They're forced to find it inside themselves. What is this, this uncomfortable nature to push you out of your comfort zone? This is why I honestly cherish the conversations that we have, Hanan, because you truly like speak my mind. It's exactly how I was feeling. But I, I couldn't pinpoint it because like you said, spiritual awakening is so romanticized. It's on, on social media that you think it's just this like beautiful moment in your life where you start meditating more and praying more. It, it's not like that. I honestly, I felt like I also went into depression mode and we'll talk about that in just a bit. You know, when I was researching what spiritual awakening is, completely different than how Instagram showcases it. But it's, it's when you start asking yourself like, who am I and why am I here? And I felt like I was was asking myself, you know, these questions more often than not. I was like, what is my purpose? Like, I think about this every day. And I, I know I've talked to you about this before, Hanan. Like, if my divine creator is choosing for me out of the billions of people to wake up today, there is a reason, there is a purpose. So it's, it's like when you start looking at your life from a spiritual perspective, the interesting part is, is like, sometimes, you know, my journey, my spiritual journey, it's always like up and down. It's sometimes it's all over the place. Sometimes I'm so connected with Allah. Sometimes I'm so connected with prayer. I'm always doing dikit. And then there's moments where it's just like, let me just squeeze in this prayer real quick and then go about my day. That's when I feel like my heart is the most detached is when I am basically so focused on my worldly affairs that I forget God in the process. The same God who is basically in charge of my entire life and my existence. So it's something that I always come to terms with at night. I'm like, you know, today I barely spoke to God, but I was busy with X, Y, and Z. And it just, you kind of go to bed with like a heavy heart. But for me, I feel like there is a trigger as to why you and I are going through this spiritual 
awakening. What was it for you that triggered you to kind of feel like you're going through this? Was it just like the mundane things that you're going through? Or was it your trauma coming back to the surface? Because we all have our own personal traumas, our own personal past experiences that we've gone through. And that's something that I'm still dealing with to this day that still comes to the surface. And we both agree that now, since there's like kind of more resources available and more conversations happening, we have the ability to go back to our trauma and understand what it is that we went through and how it's impacting our lives and who we are today and who we're becoming. So to answer the first question in terms of like, how did you, like, where did it start? I mean, everyone's different, right? Someone was hit with something one day, like a really big traumatic event, and it just changed them forever. With me, it was like a, a series of events. I mean, I've spoken to you about this. Last summer was probably the worst summer of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I say with a laugh, but it was, really was like one of those really, really intense ones. And it, I think it was a life-changing one for me. Very, very difficult. And I think that was the start of it. But everything thereafter, it was almost like the unraveling of a, a board of string. It was almost like that was the trigger. And bit by bit, I became undone. So everything that I had ever known about myself or thought of myself, so being cemented in my identity, who I am, was completely gone. Everything that I had once known about myself was completely just sort of bit by bit being unpacked, unpacked, unpacked. And it's a great, I mean, that's a good thing if you look at it from a macro perspective. When you're in it, it's absolutely terrifying because you're just like, okay, but why was I feeling like this? Or why do I think these things? And you're constantly having to question yourself and take yourself into account. So it could be, uh, you know, obviously what the trigger was, was a trauma. Something had happened that triggered this feeling in my brain. Ever since then, it caused me to take into question everything in my existence. When I go out, who I'm going out with, what am I doing? Why am I doing that? What my job is? Why is my job that? Why do I like this? Why do I dislike this? Why do I feel like I put out this persona? And why am I doing this? And why am I reflecting like this online? And why am I even on the online <laughs> space? You know, it just becomes absolutely out of control. You can go down a rabbit hole. And that's exactly what I did. I think with spiritual awakenings as well, you can become very kind of fixated on things and fixated on your purpose, but it goes into the realm of overthinking that can greatly damage you. I would say spiritual awakenings are a fantastic thing. Don't get me wrong. They're incredible. They are meant to help you to become who you're supposed to become. It's almost like shedding old skin. You have to outgrow it. You just have to. You've got no choice. You're going forward or you're staying still. You're being stagnant. And when you're stagnant, I really believe that kind of elicits the depression. It's like you are resisting who you're supposed to be or you're not letting go of something in the past. It could be who you were, a strong sense of self, your identity, or it could be something that you're attached to, even a trauma that you're attached to, and you're not unraveling it, understanding it and letting it go. You know, you're not letting yourself kind of breathe and just go through life. I, I always say like the best philosophy to go through with which is very similar to what you know Islam teaches us, is to stride the path of the least resistance. And when I say that, I don't mean just like get lazy. It just means that the world is constantly moving and free-flowing. And if you're not free-flowing with it, you're going to get stuck and tangled in there. And, and being tangled is painful, especially when you're going against the current. You have to let go and just go with the movement of, of what's happening in your life. And another quote that I love that Jim Carrey uses, because he's like one of my favorite actors. He's just so great. He, he says that depression is when your body doesn't want to be the avatar that you've created for it anymore. I feel like we curate these worlds that we live in. It's almost like we curate a prison for ourselves. And we feel like because we curated it, we have to live it now. But you don't. You have an absolute choice to say, this is a prison. I don't want to be here. 
let me move, let me get out of this. And I really, I love, it's one of the, the quotes that takes me through life. It's all about authenticity. It's about being real with yourself. And I think especially this week alone, I've had so many conversations with people about this, both strangers and like people I know, which is so interesting. Like one, I definitely feel like it's from Allah telling me that you're not alone. There's a lot of people who feel this way, but also that the system that we're in, this capitalistic world, this whole nine to five vibes, it's not for us. The human being and our fitra is not in alignment with this system that is literally built to make money off of us. And I think collectively, humans are starting to realize this on a collective level because of like 2020, obviously was the year where we were kind of forced to face ourselves, forced to see what we really are, what we're doing. And we didn't like what was in the mirror. So it's a collective thing, but then that can also be quite demotivating because it's kind of like, oh crap, we're all stuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all feel stuck, you know, but it, but then on the, on the flip side, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to, to then say, right, the way we're doing things isn't working for us. It's not making us happy. And, and even the whole chasing money thing, obviously we can talk about this more later, but that's something that was kind of interwoven with my awakening, I guess, understanding that even if I was just chasing money, not to be rich, but to look after my family or to do it for a noble cause, you're still glorifying, you're still praising something that's material. And so it's constantly going to be running away from you. You will never get it. You'll ne- and, and even when you get it, because alhamdulillah, I've been in situations where a nice little sum has hit my account, but it's also left just as quick. Or sometimes it doesn't feel like it's enough. And then you're like, okay, but now I need this. Okay, but now I need this. And it just doesn't end, right? And then, so that for me was a big eye-opener because I never thought I was someone who really praised money that much. But even in needing it, feeling like you need it, we are actually praising the wrong thing. We're praising money. And a realization I had, especially this year for myself, not making millions, I'm not rich at all, but I realized, oh, okay, so getting money for myself doesn't actually make me happy. Okay, you know, giving to other people, that feels good. Doing things for others, thinking collectively, that feels good. And I think that was part of the awakening for myself. You brought up so many great points, Hanan, especially money. You know, I just had an episode with Alex Fox. She also brought up the topic of money. That's also on our mind. And I think the topic of money is just such an uncomfortable conversation because a lot of us are not, I guess society doesn't push us in the direction of being open with our salaries or how much we're making or how we can help one another or how we could utilize our community as a resource. There was a friend of mine who recently she wanted to, you know, she needed money for her tuition and she actually went on social media and she asked people like, hey, I need this much money left for my tuition can you guys help me and I was like subhanallah I was like that's so beautiful and so raw to show that hey I I need help like can you guys help me out and if we're a community like we should be able to help each other out and she's like we come as especially Palestinians we come from a village mindset we want to see one another succeed and everything and I was like that's just so interesting because you don't see that too often to be able to go online and say hey can you guys help me out you know you know there's that simple question like what would you do or who would you become if money wasn't an issue and we think it's a simple question but the possibility are insane if money wasn't what really bound us if money wasn't basically the chain that's around our ankles you know and we don't think of money in that sense but it really is sometimes suffocating and when we go through difficult times I for one this is how I am I just see the pain that I'm going through and I question sometimes oh, why another hardship like when can I ever taste the sweetness of my blessings but subhanallah like you have to have to have to see hardships the same way as you see and view blessings they're 
trying to say it's like it's Allah's way of freeing you from something. These spiritual awakenings are basically a passageway from who you were to who you should become and who you are becoming. SubhanAllah. You know, when we're talking about money and we're talking about chains, sometimes these chains and these hardships where we think that they're breaking us, it's just Allah's way of basically custom tailoring our life for us so that we can become who we're meant to become. A lot of times, and even recently, I feel like I've been facing a lot of closed doors. And sometimes, you know, when we think about closed doors, we think about like the fact that maybe we don't even know what's behind the door, but it's also, I think it's a little bit more difficult when you know what is behind that door and when you think you're deserving of what's behind that door, but you keep trying to open the door and the door closes shut. I think that's kind of also difficult in itself, but I read somewhere that basically it's also, again, freeing us from attaching our, ourselves and our worth to what's behind that door. We attach our worth to the relationships that we have. We attach our worth to how much money we have in our bank account, to who we're talking to, who we're in a relationship with, our fame online, our presence online. We attach our worth to so much other than attaching who we are to God, our creator and understanding our true purpose in life. That's something that I've been struggling with a lot. Like in the moment, you just see another closed door in your face. But in hindsight, one day you're going to realize like there's a reason why that door closed. I want to talk about just relationships in general. I think the relationship that you have with yourself as you're going through this, you touched upon a little bit of how you've been feeling. But I also want to talk about the relationships you've been having with the loved ones around you. Because like you said, going through a spiritual awakening is not a pretty sight. Lately, again, I've also been going into like depression dips where it's just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to deal with anything. I'm going through a lot right now. But it's also like at the expense of maybe sometimes where you detach from loved ones when in honesty, you need them the most too around those difficult times. So how have your relationships been while you're going through this? I feel like some of them have, if I'm being honest, I do feel like some of them have suffered because, you know, with cert- like it could be with certain friends, they won't understand that you are isolating and, and isolating yourself from everyone. They're going to think, oh, you just don't want to hang out with us anymore. Or, you know, okay, you- but you've been avoiding me now. Like, this is a bit, you know, maybe you just don't want to hang out with me anymore. And even with family, like I found myself isolating from them in a way that it's not overt. It's not obvious. Like I'll go to work, I'll come back. I'll just be in my own little space, right? You don't really want to interact with people. It's, it's It reminds me of the film Crash. It came out like years ago. It's set in, set in LA. I don't know if you remember it, but it's all about human beings not wanting to touch each other. We're, we're colliding in a way that we don't even understand, but we're all trying to avoid each other in some way. And I feel like that is a huge problem in Muslim households now. I feel like everyone is sort of tiptoeing around each other just to stay afloat. You know, I would definitely recommend, because I've been isolating for such a long time and it has felt painful, very, very painful. And I think the painful part is not being able to explain to people or really articulate to people in your life how you're feeling. It's so difficult to put into words. So when you're saying it to someone, they might be like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But they don't get it because they're not in it. And so if they can never understand it, that isolates you further because you're just like, there's no point explaining myself. I can't keep doing this over and over. It's so draining for me and it must be annoying for them. But last night, honestly, like I had, I was feeling so distant from my family. And even though we live together and everything, I had a chat with my sisters last night and it was so raw and real and I cried and you know I expressed what I was feeling and how this was affecting me. And I think why that's nice for the people you're trying to explain to is that they get finally get an insight into why you're acting the way you're acting. Why are you thinking like that? Why, you you know, for them, maybe they just felt like, oh, she she doesn't care about us or she's just doing her own thing. And she just, actually it's the the amount of pain, the amount of care that I'm carrying is too much. Sometimes it's going to overspill on a day, the day to day. Right. So being able to just sit down with them and cry. And then we laughed and then we talked about films and we talked about, 
it was such a, it, it was so needed to not feeling alone because when you're on this journey of trying to better yourself or grow or understanding that wherever you were at before is not where you need to be now, there will come that point where you will start to distance from people who are not in alignment with your path. I agree with a lot of those things. And especially if like you're in toxic relationships or toxic family members completely, you have to remove yourself from there. However, you still have to, as a Muslim, maintain your, your kin, your bonds, your relations. There's a lot of blessings in that. The fact that you've made the the choice to reach out and and to to try and bridge that kind of space between you. You know, we often think that people know what's going on in our heads or they can pick up on the little hints we're giving them, but they don't. I could say, first off, that my sisters definitely didn't know what I was going through or really didn't understand it to the full extent until they saw me cry about it. And then they're like, oh, okay, right. This is how she's feeling. And I had questions about our purpose, about why we're here. Like, why did Allah create us like this? And why was this? And we had these conversations and it felt good. And, and I would recommend anyone in your households, don't shut down people's need to ask questions. Sometimes they just need some soothing. They just need someone's tell them, no, we do this because of X, Y, Z. No, this happens because otherwise, if you're alone, you're alone with shaitan. And that's shaitan's playground. He will really intervene with your mindset. And this is why I really don't believe that we should be uh, this capitalistic society of, of me, 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 individual, individual, individual. This is why we are a group of depressed people. There was a quote that went out on social media yesterday, people saying, we are a generation of happy pictures and sad people. And it's so true. And I would say like, this is why Muslims should be married. This is why Muslims should have a community, whether it's their family or whether it's friends. We need each other. If you're alone to your thoughts, it's the rabbit hole I keep t- talking to you about. You will just go on a, on a very depressed sort of spiral. I would say my relationships have started to to now improve since I've reached out to people and just had a really real conversation with them. And it's funny because a lot of them are feeling the same and they're like, you know what? I was going through this and you know what? I completely understand. Like, and I think we need to just, just talk. We just need to talk more, you know, listen, listen to one another. Um, Yeah. That's what I would recommend. No, I agree with you because I honestly had the same conversation with one of my sisters because again, I live at home and it's me and my sister that live with my parents as well. And you know, she just came into my room just to have a regular chit chat. She didn't know what she was in for. And I just started bawling. I just like, because I think we were just talking about like my job perspectives and all that stuff and everything. And then I just let it all out. And I basically just like brought old trauma to the surface and just just basically told her everything that I've been holding onto. To a certain extent, she understood what I'm going through, but to a certain extent, she wasn't the one that went through it. But it, it felt so good to be able to unload. And I don't expect her to carry my load or my burden or, or my worries and my troubles. But just to let it out honestly feels so good because we hold all this stuff within us and, and you're right it's like shaitan's playground you start to resent so many people when you have your prior life on loop and you and you kind of start dissecting it and thinking like what if this happened instead of this happened what if i you know what i mean what if i didn't let certain people in my life what if i actually just you know stood up for myself and didn't listen to certain people you start to dissect so much and you're dissecting the past something that you can never resurrect something that you can never change and it's very unfortunate so to have sister or siblings or anybody, even friends, if you don't have any siblings or you're not nearby family, it's it's such a gift. There are moments where you're going to come across moments like this, where you're going through spiritual awakenings or where you're going through depression dips that you need people out there to keep you afloat. And like you said, it's that me mindset, thinking that like, these are my troubles, my pain, I'm going to deal with it and I'll, I, I can handle it. We try to define strong in that sense that we can overcome anything, but we forget like the whole community part of having others helping us. Like Allah gifted us with certain people in our life for a reason. Also, just on that point, 
when you're going through like a mind shift, i.e. nothing in your reality is the same as what it what you thought it once was, which is a very scary place to be. You actually feel like you're in an alternate reality. Like I, I referenced it on my story as like the Truman Show. So having like one anchor, like one person at least that you used to know or that you know as like your reality you need that, you know, like you can't, you cannot just function without it. Otherwise you're like a balloon. You'll just kind of like fly off into the distance. You won't really have any grounding. You need to be grounded. I think that's such a beautiful point to bring up because that's what I was trying to get at. This is why I love having conversations with you, Hanan, because you honestly, again, like (laughs) you you gather my thoughts. And I think we really think about how self-aware we are and how much of a gift that is that we know what we're going through and we realize that, you know, there is a shift that's happening. And I think a lot of times when we start doubting our life, instead of saying, oh, we're doubting this, this and that, it's more so you're actually telling yourself, like, I'm open to growth. I'm open to a new version of myself and whatever Allah has written for me, I'm, I'm okay with that. And I think that's so beautiful. But I want to talk about, because I did touch upon resentment. I feel like a lot of times too, like in the process of my spiritual awakening, I do unearth the past traumas and I do hold a lot of resentment for certain people because I don't know, you and I relate on this, that like we got married young, we kind of had our path kind of already paved for us. And now we're paving our own path at this age. Not that age even really truly matters, but it's at an age where we feel like society is telling us, oh, you're lost or you're behind, but really we're not. Everything happens for a reason. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like you were robbed of being able to pave your own path? Or do you feel like, you know, that was generally meant to happen for me and this is who I've become and I'm good with where I'm at? It's very, it's a very difficult question, honestly. I mean, look, if I'm being honest, I straddle between two perspectives. On the one hand, I'll always say I'm glad it happened because it made me a better version of myself. I became so much more self-aware and just the way I move through the world, it's just more carefully and understanding of others with empathy, right? So I'll never I'll never regret growing and, and those things. I think what makes me sad is that element of feeling like I didn't get to be a kid when I when I was a kid. I'm feeling like I had to grow up too fast and feeling like I couldn't make those mistakes first, you know, and then as you get older, it's so interesting. I know a lot of people online have been saying this, a lot of Muslim women, because we come from homes where we are quite, um, I want to say not all, but a lot of, we're quite sheltered in some regards. So a lot of Muslim women are now experiencing life <laughs> in their late 20s early 30s because that's when they become an adult and can do whatever they want really and so that almost in a way it's almost like letting children out of a pen like it's almost like oh that like that like they're seeing the candy and they're like looking at the world and like it's like from fresh eyes you know and what should have happened really is the reverse which is you kind of you know you be a kid you you make mistakes you're stupid you do this this and this and then you get to the the late 20s and you you become a grown adult and you start settling down or whatever it is that you were supposed to do so I think a lot of us as Muslim women are doing things backwards because of that and there's nothing I guess there's nothing wrong with it in the end of the day like I think I don't know if it's because I'm reaching a new season in my life in terms of my age I'm getting older it makes me think about right what have I done in the last 10 years what am I going to do in the next 10 years it's a very strange age the, the one that I'm at now like obviously I'm we're coming to 30 it's a beautiful age don't get me wrong in some regards I like you know you you care less about what people think all that stuff is great but at the same time you do go through this very strange like internal process of what have I done (laughs) the last 10 years of my life you know you've got societies like deadlines looming on you you know by this age you should be this and by this age and by this age and I can see so many young women like who are in their early 20s 
twenties, mid twenties who are feeling pressured to get married. Like they really want to get it done. And you know, if you find someone, I'd say, go for it. Don't delay it. But in the end of the day, I would say at the same time, don't feel like you have to do it just because society has told you this is what you need. I think everyone is on a different time. Everyone is on different timing. I, for one, 100% on different timing to everyone else. For my life experiences, it's forced me to grow up and mature and become almost like too old for my age in some regards. But also in in some regards, I'm like behind everyone else in certain things. It doesn't make sense to test your life against that barometer. And the barometer is created by people that they don't even know you. <laughs> they don't know much about the creator of you either. So how are we going to test ourselves by those standards? And we're all on different spiritual journeys too. So that's also exactly. a huge factor. Yeah, but it is it, when it comes to like these questions, I, it's just a very, I'm still in my head about it, to be honest. I'm still figuring things out. I'm still thinking, right, well, I don't know how other people feel about this. But for me personally, I have always felt like I was out of time, like out of time in my life. Like I always felt like I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I've always felt like I was either too religious or not religious enough for the people that I was around. I always felt like my journey was just so out of line with everyone else, subhanAllah. And maybe that was Allah's way of telling me that there is no set determiner of what your life should look like. I was just thinking about it yesterday. Like, I think you can find true contentment and happiness when you stop holding on to the expectation of what you want. Just stop holding on. Just stop thinking that you are like, I am deserving of this, this and this. Don't get me wrong. Pray for what you want and believe you can get it. But when you hold on to it and you're not getting it, it will only bring you sadness. It will only bring you disappointment. I really thought about it and just thought, you know what? Let me just let go. And, you know, they say about this in terms of like when when it comes to the law of attraction and when it comes to things like this, the thing that you want the most, you actually have to let go of it. Again, it's about straddling the path of least resistance. That's when you'll get the thing that you're looking for, right? That applies to everything in life. Like when you're grateful, I'll give you more, Allah tells us. What does being grateful actively mean? It literally just means I'm cool with everything that I have in my life right now. Everything that I've got, the bad and the good, I'm just good with it. And focusing more on the good and appreciating that. Uh, Something that really helped me was when I thought, wow, like there are actually people who have really traumatic lives, like really difficult things that they go through, that they have a more traumatic life than you do, for example, because it's all relative, right? They've, They've grown up in the life that they've had and they probably have their own things that they're grateful for. However, it really does help understanding from the perspective of, wow, like there are actually people who have lost lives Like there are people who it's just intended that they were going to get this, 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 and this. They were going to be tortured. They were going to have this. They were going to have that. When you put your life into perspective like that, it almost makes it easier because we don't expect our life to just be roses. I think that's what makes us so depressed and disappointed all the time. It's because we just want roses all the time. We're like, but wait, that person's got roses through social media. And this is something we'll talk about. But that person's got roses. That person has that. That has. And I, I came across a, a quote by Omar Ibn al-Khattab recently. And he basically says, get used to having a tough life. And I think it's it's a mindset. It's not to say, you know, expect very little for your life. It's not. It's a mindset. If you're in that mindset, it means that you will be grateful for anything that comes your way. If you're in that mindset, you're more impenetrable. I think we need to stop, especially in this Western lifestyle, this kind of privileged lifestyle that we have. We don't like to be touched by adversity. The minute we're touched by adversity, we're like, ah, why me? Why did I get that? That person has this. That person has that. Why did I get adversity? First of all, adversity is very relative for everyone. 
Second of all, no one is posting about their adversity online. (laughs) And pretty much everyone in this life gets hit by adversity. But also it's how you view it. It's literally how you view the adversity that's hit you. It could not be adversity at all. And this comes back to what Allah says us, tells us in Surah Al-Kahf when, you know, Khidr, when he killed the boy and Musa asked him, like, why did you do that? And it's because that that boy would grow up to cause so much strife to his family in, in general, right? This is to teach us that we don't have the wisdom to understand the, the macro view of our, of our life and our world. We don't understand it. We can't. We just, we're, we're very limited in our human minds. And this comes with true tawakkul and trust. For us to truly stop being so holding on to what we think we're deserving of, right? I deserve a big house. I deserve a spouse and children. I deserve this. I deserve that. That completely contradicts the whole point of what gratefulness is about. Gratefulness is literally you're good with whatever you've been given, you know, and that will help you. It really will help. If you feel like you're going on social media and just seeing other people going on holiday, other people are getting married, other people are have jobs that you don't have. There's always going to be something or someone with something you don't have. Why fuel that sickness in you? Everyone has the ability to be sick. Why fuel it? Don't look, it's not, it's not even real. Like if we're being honest, it's not even real. And everyone has acknowledged it's not real. And yet we still fall for it every time. That's the part that I don't get, that we all know. You can have this conversation with everyone, Hanan, and we all exactly. know that social media isn't real, but we fall into that trap. So that's why I feel like personally, my life's anchor is Allah. As steadfast as I am on my spiritual journey, the more detached I become from social media, from the virtual world, from things that you know people are just posting and they're only posting their happy moments. Like We know this, but I think the less that I'm connected with Allah and the more that I'm connected on social media, that's when I fall into that trap. It's all about what you what source you're connecting to a lot of times i think we are just connecting to the wrong source and social media being one of them which we're going to talk about so on that point i think look social media has the power to change lives it can be a very incredible powerful thing i spoke about it on my story i said tiktok is incredible it gives everyone the opportunity to make it right no there's no other platform that does that and that's what i love about it anyone can go viral for anything at any time Fantastic, right? At the same time, though, if you are going to engage with these tools, you have to have a certain level of mental agility. You have to be disciplined. You have to know yourself very well. I'll be honest, right? I'm on TikTok. Yeah, I'm, I'm on there for my business. Very recently, I put, I've made a really stupid TikTok. <laughs> it got over, it got over three hundred thousand views. Talking to a TikTok star right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send it to you. It'll make you laugh. It's, it was just a silly one. I just wanted to see if it would bang, right? And it's so interesting because I'm in digital marketing. So I work with content and interesting content and what, what, what needs to be done and la 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 organic growth. So this is this is my arena. So my point in doing that was to prove one, we love like idiocy. We love absolutely stupid things. <laughs> they do really well. But also that if you have, if you're exposed, that's almost what, two stadiums of people. That's it. That's a huge amount of people, right? I think we're, we're a bit disillusioned with how many people are actually getting exposure to what you're putting out there. And because we're disillusioned, we're not thinking properly enough. We're not critically thinking enough about what we are doing. Now, when I say TikTok is a fantastic platform, it is. But it also is a completely brainwashing, terrifying platform as well. There's no other app that has managed to get grown adults to just dance in the middle of the street in front of their camera. (laughs) you, You wouldn't see that in the past. 
So I feel like on TikTok, there's no other app that's able to get people in a state of complete sort of hypnotism and brainwash. You know, if you listen to some of the lyrics, I just found out recently, there's a TikTok trend that was going around. The song that was putting out, it was, it's called um, Blood on the Leaves. Now this was actually sung by, um, I can't remember the name of the artist. She's a really well-known artist in the past, right? She was actually discussing black men and women who had been lynched. And she's talking with pain, right? It's called Blood on the Leaves. And people are doing trends to it because they're not the wiser. They don't know. And I think that's what's very scary is how subliminally things are being interwoven into our reality. And it's happening to everyone. I don't think anyone, unless you are not plugged in, you're not in the system, you're not on social media, people on Instagram are seeing TikToks. This is a form of brainwash. It's getting people to do what you want them to do. And the thing is, like, I don't blame anyone. Like, there is a model, a business model that's out there, which is like, if you act like this, if you do this, if you use this song, because these are the TikTok rules, right? If you don't use viral songs, if you do this, if you do that, if you do that, you won't go viral. Why do people want to go viral? Because they want to be uh, well-known. Why do they want to be well-known? Because they can get brand deals. They can get, you know, money, uh, attention, uh, admiration, all of these things. But the downside of this, and I've, I've experienced it on a very small scale, people come with hate comments too. Because this is just like the subconscious mind. TikTok is the subconscious mind. It's catching people when they're chilling in bed, when they're relaxing. If you see the comment section, it's hilarious. It's like the best thing ever to watch. But it's also a direct reflection of what is actually in people's hearts. Like you see their truth come out. And for somebody who's too young, they're being exposed to this on a mass scale. And they haven't fully functioned. They, they haven't fully formed their, their sense of critical thinking. They haven't matured in their mind yet. So they're not, they're not going to be able to see that and like differentiate between, oh, that's just a, a silly person on the internet speaking, whatever. It's not that deep to them. This can destroy young people. You know, they can really internalize every single comment. There are so many kids, especially Muslim kids, these trends and what the, the imagery and the sexualization and it's being so normalized, so normalized. And there's no one telling them, actually, listen, I think this is a bit this is a bit silly now, or this is a bit outrageous, or maybe you shouldn't be doing this. You know, if you think about it, Addison Rae, she was 19, right? She's a kid. She's a kid. She doesn't know any better. I don't blame her. I don't blame her. She doesn't know any better. But grown men and women, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 20-year-olds, they're all copying her because that is the model that works. But she's a kid. She doesn't know better, but we know better. So why can't we use our critical thinking and try to like break away from these chains. And I was talking about this on my story as well the other day. I was saying how it's interesting. We always talk about like doing things for the sake of the algorithm, but actually Allah is so much more powerful than the algorithm. You know, in terms of how algorithms work, it's based on what people like to consume more of. If there was a demand, there would have to be a supply. So if there was more of a demand for, for meaningful content that was with integrity, more, more creators would have to create that right? That's not where we're at in the world, right? <laughs> we're just, we're creating absolute crap. And that's what's going viral. And that's why I personally took my little break from social media. Like I, when I say little, I really mean like little break, because unfortunately, like you and I both have a business. Like I feel like I have, my podcast is my business. And Michelle, you have your own business. And we live in a world that we need social media in order for our projects, for our passions, for our, our, for our businesses to thrive, unfortunately. So I have to connect to social media. But 
I enjoyed my time off because I w- fell into this black hole of just watching all of these reels and seeing people and the way they were acting and, and everything. I was like, I feel like this is a circus. We're all dressing the same. We're all dancing to the same songs. We're all doing the same trends. Like I miss ha- being able to form my own opinions, being able to formulate my own thoughts, being me unique. Like I, I know we live in a generation where we think everybody's unique, but honestly speaking, when you look at us from a high level overview, we're not unique. We're all doing the same thing. Absolutely the exactly. same thing. You talked also about like being half-hearted in both worlds. I'm trying to hold on to the real world, but then the social media world is also there. It's at the tip of our fingers. Do you feel like social media is an escape route for us? Like, why are we so addicted to social media? Why do we find ourselves on here so often? Okay, so there's two things here. Obviously, for people like me and you, it's almost virtually impossible to separate our personal life from the online space because all of my work not even part of it. My brand is online, but also the digital marketing side of things is online. The designing stuff is online. Everything I do, (laughs) my whole existence is online. The irony of that is that I realize now that none of it, none of the online space right now for me brings me any peace. None of it. I go on there now, it's triggering. And obviously that might be that might even be in the realms of mental health and making sure that you're looking after yourself. And, And I've acknowledged that. But I I would say that because I have told myself that if I don't post daily and there's all these like content creation, digital marketing tips and la, 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 if I'm not following those things, you know, you won't be successful or your your products won't be seen or you won't find customers or you're limiting your own growth. Or You know, there's so many things. And I said this to you, Dunya, like, I feel like as well, it makes it easier if the thing that you're doing online is purpose driven. So the fact that you're doing this podcast and the fact that you're having these really real, interesting, authentic world conversations, that's what human beings need. So at least there's that element of this is my purpose, using my voice for goodness. And this was triggered actually by my, I did a collaboration with Nike last year. We spoke about that. That really tore, tore me into two. Like I had two views and I almost felt like I was living two lives. The life of what I really felt and the life of what I felt like I was supposed to showcase for everyone else. And I I still kind of feel like that duality lives within us even now, especially content creators, creatives, people in the space where there is a side of us where our fitra can't connect with this stuff. And then there's a side of us that's like, no, but I love clothing and I love like, you know, expressing myself and I love posting things. Right. I got to a point where I just felt like I wasn't even living either lives. I was one foot here, one foot there. And I think that that destroys us more because you're just not being, I haven't fully tapped into what I really need. And that takes time and fine tuning. And obviously I was having that chat with my sisters yesterday and they were just like, look, your platform's never going to disappear, but you need to get your mind right. You need to get your heart right and your spirit right before you can engage with these things because every action in this life has a reaction, just scientifically. So if you're putting out words that are a bit coming from a weird place, like you're not aligned in yourself, you're putting that energy out there to others. And we have to be careful of what energy we're putting out to each other because we're all absorbing it, right? Imagine I'd never posted what I said the other day on that story. We wouldn't have this conversation. And even to this day, maybe people would still think, oh, that's Hanan. She likes X, Y, Z. She does X, Y, Z. But they really wouldn't know my truth. The reason why I post, like I remember posting on Eid, like I had a pretty dress on and everything. And I remember posting, 
I don't look how I feel. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't have to write that, but it felt good afterwards. I felt better for posting saying that. It's such a strange thing. It's almost like my diary. Like it's, it's like, but it's like your real world meeting your social media world where we're actually finally being honest and we're not pretending online. Because honestly, I'm so grateful for you, Hannah. Like I, I probably don't say that too often, but I generally really am very grateful for you. Because like you said in the beginning, we're always aligned. Like we're always on the same wavelength, whatever we're going through. So it's not only that this conversation would have happened and maybe other people can listen to it, but it's like I would have probably still been in my black hole of just like feeling down and feeling just like not good enough. But knowing that somebody else is going through it, not like, oh, yeah, Hanan's also suffering. No, it's like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. There is something wrong. How can we find a solution? Like, how can we better one another? It's that village and community mindset that we're going back to. You sharing certain bits and pieces of your real life in the virtual world is just so, so impactful. It's hard sometimes because you also don't want to... Uh, there's there's that fronting right everyone's got a certain level of fronting to do for the people that didn't believe in them for the exes for the this (laughs) for the that whatever it is right it's hard to sometimes just be vulnerable and be open and real and just be like look this is it like this is what life is at the moment it's difficult it's this it's that but you know how many people messaged me when it when I was a bit real and when I was revealed and they said I feel exactly the same way I feel exactly the same I also feel like there is this shyness in us to post meaningful things because we feel embarrassed that it won't be received well, or that people who've got hardened hearts and who are not in alignment with what they're feeling and what they need might eye roll or think, oh, too much emotion, relax. Like, <laughs> or even talking about Islam, there's a shyness in us now because you don't want to be perceived as that Muslim that's always preaching. When in reality, say a good word or be silent. That's what we should be like. I couldn't agree with you more because like sometimes like there's a lot that I want to share. There's so much on my mind, Hanan, but it's like, I don't want to be that person that's always sharing such heavy, heavy stuff on social media because generally there are some people that do come on social media to to take a break from their real life. But I don't want that type of life for me. I don't want the life where I have to seek the virtual world to take a break from my real life. Like, no, let me, let me fix what's going on wrong, supposedly in my real life that I don't need social media as an escape route. And I, I feel that like sometimes like are we a society where it's okay to pretend online because obviously we're just posting like a highlight reel but we're pretending online but I I fear that this pretending is going to extend to our real life where we stop being even real to one another in real life and that's that's something that scares me it's like the movie like you said crash like where we can't touch one another or we can't come close to one another like that's what I fear like I was reading a book and it says like subhanAllah like how social media was was created in order for us to connect more to one another but yet we have been the most disconnected that we've ever been and it's not me bashing social media because like you said mashallah like there's just there's so many pros to it but it's you you're that variable how are you going to interact with social media so it's like I don't want to bash social media I kind of want to just like take a look at myself and how am I connecting with it and, and you know the only reason why I think a lot of people love social media and why they love being on it because it's very easy to feel seen to feel celebrated you post one thing and you get a thousand likes and whatnot but here you are in your real life and you're just existing and you're walking down the street and you're not getting likes or just like being a real human being walking down the street but picture yourself posting that 
that same snippet of you just walking down the street on social media, you'd probably get so many comments and opinions and, and likes and everything. So I don't know, like I think about it, like did Allah create us like as human beings to be able to have 10,000 people following us to have a thousand likes on our photos? That's a lot of people, really. I mean, I know there's people that have like a million followers and I can't even fathom that. But imagine like knowing that you're posting something and 10,000 people are viewing it and hundreds of people are commenting and whatnot. Like, but in real life, that's not the case. So there is just such a huge disconnect. I think this also like plays into the whole disillusionment thing. Like when you're posting, I don't think there is that, you're not actually deeping that. Wow, like imagine 500 people in a room. That's a lot of people. Imagine, imagine 500 opinions. That's a lot of opinions. Now imagine that in 1,000, 12,000. And I feel like people are chasing numbers sometimes, not understanding the true ramifications. Like these are actual real people. And then sometimes there are people who it actually does reach them. And I think because it's this chasing numbers game, I think they become um, accustomed to being admired, accustomed to being seen, accustomed to being validated like that. But what does like that mean? That's the perfectly curated version of you. What messaging is that telling your brain that people like this version of me? So let me be more of this. If you then post a, a makeupless selfie and somebody, they'll, people are like, oh, baby, you're right. <laughs> like, are you, you're okay. Oh, like, you're feeling all right. Yeah. What does that tell you? That, that tells your brain, don't do that again. We're not getting the same validation and admiration. That is what is being perpetuated. I, I feel like. For us as Muslims, Muslim creatives, it's a hard space to navigate because creativity, if you look at it historically, like if we're talking about writers, poets, um, artists, I want to say like their whole demeanor or their whole kind of experience in that space is about pushing boundaries. It's about asking questions, challenging the status quo, being different, being the black sheep or or being different to what your like your community is telling you to be. Or, you know, it's about rebellion in some regards. And you see that sometimes in the Muslim creative space. And I and I'm here for it. I understand it. But also, how far does that rebellion go? And are we what are we really rebelling from? Are we rebelling from Islam? Are we rebelling from our fitrah? Are we rebelling from what's because I don't think when I see the Muslim creative space, I don't see them uh, rebelling from capitalism. I don't see them rebelling from. And when I say them, I'm talking about myself included. I should say us. Right. I don't see us. We're not rebelling from capitalism. We're not rebelling from, you know, the status quo, really, because we're, we're falling for it. We're doing everything that Instagram is telling us to do. So where's the real rebellion? Are we only rebelling against certain things that we want to, which is like in the spiritual realm? You know, these are questions that we need to ask. And I feel like there is an upsurge of creatives in the space who want to push the boundaries and it might come under the, the clasps of pushing the boundaries of Islam. And then it's kind of like when there are people who are advising, which I feel those people also don't know how to navigate human beings. Exactly. <laughs> I just feel like people advising, not very smart, not very emotionally aware. When, when there comes people who are trying to advise and being like, yo, this is a bit much, no one can take that criticism and no one wants to say anything. We've curated this hyper-sensitive society where no one can call each other out. No one can say, hey, listen, I think this is a bit much. We need to like rein it in. And that is not Islam. Islam is, is about calling people out on their crap. Like we're allowed to do that if they're moving nuts. <laughs> but 
But we've curated a society where you're not allowed to do that. It's a live and let live society, do whatever you want. But if your friend is about to jump off a cliff, is it live and let live then? No, it isn't. Of course it's not, right? So what are our boundaries? Where do we set the boundary? And I think because there is no discipline, I really believe that any kind of uh, warrior will, will speak about this, like discipline of the soul, discipline of the mind, discipline of the body. Any fitness guru will. Anyone who talks about mindfulness will. You can't find true happiness unless you're disciplined. And I feel like there's no discipline or, or practice of discipline in the social media space. It's like, do whatever you want. Go ham with it. You know, I think there needs to be some fit, fatwas issued surrounding social media. There is no guideline like that. No one's actually saying, listen, this is this is impermissible and this is permissible or this should should not be going on and this should be going on. I think people are afraid of the word haram and I don't think we should be afraid of it. When I say impermissible, something is passed as a law in Sharia purely because it will disadvantage that human or a group of humans. It will not be good for them. That's li- These are literally why the laws are put in place. We've all collectively said social media causes a lot of bloggers describe social media in association with depression and anxiety and yet we're still not engaging with it the scholars are not engaging with it no one's really talking about what's happening and so there's a group of youth who are free reigning doing whatever the hell they want because of course they will not like they've got no role models to look up to and no one's telling them actually maybe don't do that (laughs) you know I'll probably get backlash for speaking like this but in the end of the day, like we are the adults. Like if, if we're not the ones speaking about this, who's really going to say anything? But isn't that sad, Hennen, that you're, you feel like you're going to get backlash for just honestly speaking? Something that we all know, we all know. I mean, why else do we take our social media breaks? Why else do we kind of like put the brakes on certain things? Because in our hearts, our hearts are telling us like something's a little off. Like you're really doing things at the expense of your own spirituality and, and everything. And that's why that the only reason why I disconnect from social media is when I don't feel connected to Allah. Like, I'm sorry, but that is my creator like if i am not living for my creator like who am i living for social media it's so true that people do not like the word haram people don't like being judged and that's a hundred percent i completely agree with that you should not be judged there is a way to guide somebody there is a way for us to give guidance to one another understanding that when we point the finger at somebody it's also pointing three fingers back at us understanding that we're all in this together we just both agreed Hennen. like we want to escape from social media but we still find ourselves back on here but it's it is that mindset of people not wanting to be told how to be or how to act or that they're doing something wrong nobody likes that it, it, it does hurt a little bit when you feel like you're being watched and somebody's telling you you're doing something wrong or it might be a hot on but it all goes back to the way that we are advising one another and you can't advise somebody about something when you're being a hypocrite and you're doing it as well that's also another factor it also goes back to just perception we all want to perceived in a certain manner you know we all always put our best foot forward on social media and I was reading a book and it was just so interesting she was basically saying like we're all just peering into each other's lives that's literally what social media is and I and I thought about it I'm like it's so easy for us to friend people on social media like in the virtual world but it's so difficult to friend them in our real life and I wonder why that is and I think it kind of like since we've been having this conversation I think the reason being is because when you meet me in real life this is me as is it comes with no filters I don't come with a curated caption 
caption and you're going to catch me in the moment. But on social media, no, I'm allowing you to see me in the moment that I want you to see me. And this is why I feel like a lot of people struggle with having friendships and stuff like that, because it's like, yeah, it's so hard to kind of come across genuine people who truly want to be friends with you. And I, alhamdulillah, have had friends before social media became what it is. And we've been friends ever since then. So alhamdulillah, it just feels good. But I think a lot of us, we want to be perceived in a certain way. So we keep people at arm's length in real life. But on social media, we allow people to kind of invade our privacy if privacy even exists and another thing is like talking about being judged a lot of us like even you just you saying that you're like oh I think I might get backlash but it's like unfortunate that you have to think that way like it's unfortunate that we think that we're going to be judged for having our own opinions but that's the thing that I want to go back to is who am I not what social media tells me I should be not how much of a leftist I am or how right like I'm just so sick of all these terms like who am I as a person stop labeling me like I don't want all these labels but we fear being judged but when you think about being judged who are you being judged by typically when you think about that you just see a faceless crowd you can't even pinpoint who you're being judged by in all honesty the only person that's judging you is you yourself you're the only one holding yourself back from what you truly want to be and who Allah is intending for you to be we're the only ones instilling ourselves with fear and judgment because yeah when I think about it I'm like oh no oh my god this is gonna be embarrassing I can't post this but like or I can't act this way but it's like I can't even put one face to that judgmental crowd it's a faceless crowd but what are your thoughts about how we're being perceived online and the whole notion of just people peering into each other's lives I think when you said that to me at first like which was like last week or something we have a conversation you said I don't think we're built to view that many people's lives on a very intimate level and it really got me thinking about it like how often do we get triggered by very very small things and it goes back to the whole like just discontentment thing of like you know, the fact that you can be viewing that somebody's gone on holiday and you really wants to go on holiday. All of these things, right? I'll give an example of what this feels like to me. When I dress a certain way and I go out, right? When I'm, when I'm dressed really fashionable and I think I look great that day, the way I carry myself is very different. And there might even t- be, there might even be a little bit of pride in there and a little bit of, not arrogance, but a little bit of pride, right? But when I'm like, I'm like dressing with humility so I'm dressing with like let me just do the trick of what what clothes are meant to do which is just cover my body uh and I'm not dressing to impress anyone and I'm not dressing to do any I carry myself differently and ironically I feel like my true personality comes out because I feel like I've got nothing to hold on to in terms of like how I'm being perceived I just feel like okay look I don't look that great right now. So the only thing I've got going for me is my personality. <laughs> and then what's so interesting is that what, that's what comes forward. And I feel like people interact with that light, that light that comes out, which is like, listen, this is me. And that there's something beautiful about it. It's a vulnerability. It's a naivety. It's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to look at someone and see them, not see the clothes and the, the makeup and the this and the that, just them. It's, it's such a beautiful interaction. And I feel like the online space is similar to that it's that you know we carry ourselves differently when we showcase ourselves differently so if we are showcasing us as a certain type of person we feel like we have to keep up with that person there's the inauthenticity people smell inauthenticity smell it people know when you're not being real that whole like perception how you're perceived thing I think it's just you have to fine tune it for yourself as an individual this is why I said if you're on the online space you really have to know how to almost like parent yourself, you know, give yourself discipline, give yourself hours where you're not on it. 
even how you're viewing the validation. Why am I being validated like this? Why do I need to post a picture of myself to feel beautiful? Why do I need somebody to tell me this? Why do I need, you know, if you are monitoring yourself and, in, and disciplined, fine, navigate it, free will. But I don't feel like a lot of young people haven't been taught how to do that. And so we are attached to it to give us things that I don't think it can ever give us. And that's why it makes us depressed. We're under this notion that we can actually have real conversations on social media to a certain extent. Like we talked about this as well, Hannah, like I can go online, post my caption and people are going to comment and then I'll comment back. And then that's it. That's the end of the conversation. The conversation just dies out so quickly, but we think we're so connected. We think we're having real conversations. Maybe if it was um, an Instagram live and it's you and that person, but it's again, it, it goes to the extent of just you and that person that you're having a live with, that you're having a full on discussion where it's an open-ended discussion, but social media kind of deceives you into thinking that you're having real conversations. You're posting what's on your mind and you're putting this real and raw caption and then people are commenting and people are liking, but you're not having a full-blown conversation with these people. There's only a limited amount of comments you're going to be commenting back and forth. We know this. And that's why I, I treasure my real-life friendships and conversations. And that's why, Hannah, like you and I, when we had the full-hour conversation, I'm like, I miss having these real conversations. Like, social media, like, I don't want it to disrupt my, how I define communication and how I define connection. And, and this isn't to discount the friendships that I have found on social media, but we can all agree. It's very short-lived and it's in and pieces. It's not a real, real like relationship where this person you can have a full hour conversation with. It's not, this tool is not built that way. And also just to go back to your point about like, you know, the whole spiritual awakening thing. If you're a person who's going through a painful transition and you don't know how to navigate it right now, being online is like trying to cure the sickness with the sickness. That's kind of contributed maybe not for everyone I can't speak for everyone but that's kind of contributed to the problem you can't stay in the place that made you sick so wanting to get more from something that's not giving you it's never going to give you more and this is what we know about the dunya like the more you chase after it the more it will run from you it's exactly the same as social media the more you chase the likes the more you chase attention the more you chase validation it will run so in saying that I think what I've tried to do and I'm trying to do is obviously I've got to navigate using this platform for my businesses, for the things I do. But at the same time, until I know how I really feel about it, what I need to do with it as a tool, I'm going to take a step back until I've figured it out. And there's nothing wrong with taking a step back and just until you figured it out, don't, don't commit to like just going completely off the grid. Like no one's saying, you know, just not, don't have a credit card, like don't be online, (laughs) but just be able to give yourself a break. And when I say a break, it doesn't even have to be, I'm, I'm talking months if you needed to until you have it figured out because you're just going to be in the same spot again and again. The cycle will continue. You have to. You have to move away from the thing that made you sick. Exactly. And that's why it's like, I also don't want to discount the idea of like, you can find community on social media. Like there's a lot of times where I felt really down and alhamdulillah, like the platform that I have, I've had so many women just reach out to me and just uplift me in ways that I, I could never imagine. I'm just talking in general terms when I'm speaking about conversations and how they can be very limited. So it's very important that we have people surrounding us in real life that are genuinely our support system. We can't just log in and think that that's where we're going to find our validation and where we're going to always find help. Everybody has their own complex issues and everything. So I think it's very important. I think my last question for you, Hanan, because this was such an insightful discussion, I really hope it helps other people. My last question is like, 
Can we find purpose outside of social media? And how do we do so? How can we kind of move away from the notion of us killing time online and like learning how to better navigate our real life where social media is kind of secondary rather than the primary source of our existence, of our relationships, of our communications and our conversations? I'd go back to this this concept of thoughts go where energy flows, right? Social media doesn't have to be that big in your mind. We need to place it where it is, which is just another tool for communication. Let's put it like that. Pictures, videos, whatever it is, right? If I'd say don't even engage with social media in in the question, like in, in asking yourself, right, how do I navigate social media? Don't even have social media in the question. Go back to basics. What makes me happy? What gives me joy? Connect, reconnecting with who you were as a child. There's something very pure and beautiful about about that even on a creative level a lot of creatives talk about this how reconnecting with who they were as, as children really helps and just curating a life that you are proud to live in and excited to wake up to so it can mean on a very 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 small basis from how you're starting your morning routine the space that you live in your room do you hate it do you hate it that much that you need to sit on your bed and look into another world if you do change it then move move to your friendships do I enjoy going out with these people? Do I feel like it's a necessity? Am I just killing time? If that's the case, find new friendships. Pray for them. Pray for people that will really nourish your spirit. Okay, the next thing, relationships. The next thing, family. The next thing, your job, your career. If it's not nourishing you, there will always be something else that will nourish you. And making dua and slowly like building your garden. See your life as your garden. Slowly start building it. The more you focus on these things, that's where all your energy is flowing. You will naturally start to feel more healed, more content, more happy in the little world you've created for yourself. And then you'll be like, oh, social media. When you've hit that point, I feel like it's a healthy balance because your real world has, is taking more focus, more time, more energy than the social media world. You've put it in its right place. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying social media is not important. It's very important. People's livelihoods are on there people's uh, businesses you the amount of reach that you can have the amount of people that you can talk to the amount of good things that are out there the news that there's so much it's very important it's like keeping the dunya in your hand and not your heart it's the same with socials keep it where in its right place first curate the life that you believe in and if that means stripping back to saying okay but what do i believe in go back to that too first what do i believe in what, what, what do I even, do I even like this anymore? Who am I? Am I presenting myself as a fake version of myself? Am I doing it for the sake of the people? Am I doing it for the sake of Allah? Am I doing it for the sake of myself? All of these questions need to be fine-tuned. And then in those questions that you're asking yourself, you'll start to understand that maybe you had resentments towards people because you didn't like something in yourself. And so this is like a healing process. All of this is a healing process. And the more you fall in love with your own life, the less you will need something like social media to validate you. You won't need it. It's there. Good. Use it. But you don't need it. You're not going to die without it. That's the difference. Hanan, I'm telling you, like, didn't you have a <laughs> podcast? Um, can you please upload like episodes? <laughs> because I'm telling you, like, I can listen to you. I've been so busy, for, honestly. You don't even need guests. Like, you really genuinely don't even need a guest. Like, I can listen to... Stream of consciousness. Yes. Can you, like, anytime you have that, because you always do, mashallah. Like, I love how in tune you are with yourself. And you're very fully aware of how you're feeling when you're on a healing journey, when you're going through a certain hardship. Like, you're very, very, really aware 
aware of, of what it is that you're going through. And honestly, it's just such a gift to have somebody like you in my life, because I feel like you are also like an anchor in my life. You're somebody who like, again, I think that's why it's so important, vital to have a support system, because I could have had these thoughts on my own and, and wondered why I'm going through this, why my mind is taking me through this black hole and all that stuff. But then it's like, I have you who is experiencing the same thing, but you're putting it into such eloquent words. And I'm like, that's exactly how I'm feeling. So I genuinely, genuinely, like honestly, just truly appreciate you. And I appreciate this conversation because like I said, like you had this conversation with with your friends and family and I also did. And a lot of people are experiencing the same thing. Again, because we're not built for this type of world. I want to emphasize, it's not that social media is bad. It's just how we're using it. Either we're using it for good or we're using it for bad. It's a tool. It's a tool like any other tool. And again, it goes back to, like you said, I love that you talked about the sake of Allah. That's something that I completely missed this conversation. Do things for the sake of Allah and we'll let everything will play its part and, and it will only benefit you. And I think it's just beautiful when we're always connected to Allah, even having conversations. Like the last person we should feel shameful around is her creator. He knows everything that we've gone through, that we've been through, what we're going to do, what we did, our wrongs, our rights, and everything in between. So just have the conversation with the one being that knows you in your entirety. Not social media that, again, like you said, we're half-hearted in. And it's true, you don't see the full picture, even though it is a tool that shares pictures. SubhanAllah, like the irony of that you'll never get the full picture even though we are sharing pictures of us so true. I love so you true. so much Hanan I honestly appreciate you I'm so grateful for you too honestly and and you know in the end of the day I, I just wanted to, to say this like I'm really grateful for your platform and what you're doing here because I think a lot of a lot of us are taught to shy away from talking about real issues or talking about Islam or talking about the reality because pe- we don't want people to like be sick of us, but it's needed and necessary. And you know, if you're doing something for the sake of Allah, you know, you'll be you'll be blessed abundantly, inshallah. So yeah, I'm so grateful. We definitely <laughs> need more more conversations about our, our our faith. And it's not to say that oh we're perfect and we're on a pedestal and we can have these conversations. No, it's the fact that my heart is yearning for these conversations, which means that I'm still growing spiritually. That's why I want and need these conversations. And I try my best to always bring it back to faith, but it's like it's not even my own doing. It's always like the guests, especially like you, Hanan, mashallah, like you always bring it back to faith. And I think it's just so beautiful. I mean, that's basically the essence of life is our faith. Why do we exist? But for the simple fact that our creator brought us into life and brought us into existence. So thank you so much, Hanan. I would love for you to kind of just talk real quickly about Young Nevertiti. I love your brand. I think it's so beautiful. I would love for you to just like talk about your passion behind it and and what, like how you created it, why you created it. I know you mentioned this in a prior episode, but I really want you to talk about it as well because I think it's so beautiful how like, honestly, look at you. You just like sit up straight and you're excited to talk about it. And I think it's beautiful. <laughs> no, it's like you your baby. Um, okay, so Young Nevertiti is a brand that I started about two years ago um the reason I started it was because my dad had passed away about five he passed away five years ago and he was he's Egyptian so I really wanted to tap into the culture and the history um associated with what kind of built the man that I knew my father to be and I wanted to learn more about that history and that culture and just become more connected to my roots I'm half Irish half Egyptian so and I love how historically accessories are used by historians to kind of pinpoint where people were at at that time who they were were they rulers were they politicians like what did this represent and there's so much power in in the way we dress that we're we're quite kind of not even aware of ourselves so I really wanted to tap into that Um, and so I came up with a sustainable line of uh, sterling silver pieces for men and women that's bracelets rings um, and they they have a lot of Ottoman influences which I quite liked 
I, I have a new line coming out soon, inshallah, for the, the summer. We're, we're designing like more, we're going into golds now, less silvers, because, you know, we've, we've just wanted to try something quite interesting and new. And we were talking vibrant colors, all of that stuff. Nefertiti, she was actually Nefertiti, that's what it's the, the real name. Um, she was one of the, the rulers uh, in ancient Egypt. Now, I don't want to romanticize ancient Egypt like that because. It's very shirky. <laughs> a lot of like a lot of dark things are associated with it. A lot of the pharaohs built Egypt off the back of the poor, right? And I didn't want to romanticize that at all. It was almost like reimagining. It was almost like a futurism, like a reimagining what you know Egypt could be like if it wasn't in such a way. And I really liked how Nefertiti herself, like Egypt, was never as affluent as it was under her rule. So I kind of liked that she was a very powerful and, and intelligent woman. And I actually found out that her and her husband were um, monotheistic, which is interesting. Oh, wow. So you know, yeah, that was something that I kind of liked because obviously. I don't want to um, propagate something that's very like haram. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's very whimsical. You know, we incorporate um, pop art into it, um, Arabic pop art. And um, it's, a, it's, it's a brand more than a company, I would say. You know, we like to un un unravel identity and politics and, and explore those things. And, you know, it's hard as a young Muslim woman to build a business from scratch without a background of business. But for the people I've spoken to, it's, it is hard, but we try our best. And um, yeah, I guess that, that's what we're doing. I hope we've got some exciting new things. Obviously, uh, creativity is really hard when you're saturated. In, in the world of like let's say jewelry or you know coming up with something unique is very hard that's why you have to pull away from the crowd and then look back into what your creative mind and what you can come up with so yeah I'm having a bit of fun with that but yeah that's what we're up to at the moment <laughs> and your pieces are so beautiful they're very unique I don't know where you find them or how they're created or whatnot but I'm just looking at them right now on my phone and Michelle they're just so just beautiful and so elegant but yet you can dress them down or dress them up like I absolutely love it like the earrings especially like wow honestly you definitely have an eye for it they're all handmade by artisans in Turkey at the moment um we're trying to see if we the new line might not just be unique pieces because it's difficult for people to buy Or like, let's say five people want the same thing. I've had quite a few people tell me they, they want variations. So, you know, we'll see, inshallah. But um, yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate the feedback. We always love to hear <laughs> that people love our stuff. I'm generally always wishing you the best, Hanan. Honestly, you deserve all the success uh, this dunya has to offer you, inshallah. And I just, again, cherish you as such a special friend, even though you're thousands of miles away. But it's subhanAllah how <laughs> we're connected. It's just, like I said, and we both said, we didn't want to bash social media because if it wasn't for social media, you would have never known that I existed and I would have never known exactly. of your existence. So subhanAllah, it's again, exactly. it's just how you use it and it has brought such beautiful people into my life and you're one of them. But thank you so much, Hanan. I genuinely, genuinely love you and I hope everyone honestly benefited from this conversation and I'll make sure to, of course, tag your business and tag your personal accounts. So, you know, I, I would love for more people to know who you are and just be blessed, inshallah, with your presence even in their life. And I know you're very humble, but honestly, you've just been such a gift to me. So inshallah, khair. thank you so much. Much, Hanan. Oh, thank you so much. Take care.